This morning, we're in this series called, My God is Bigger. Man, last weekend, man, great crowd, incredibly quiet. Got a lot of response. People said, man, this spoke to my heart. I needed that word right on. Amen. Well, today, it's probably one of these subjects that you speak on. Pastors do this across the globe, at least the ones that have spiritual guts, I mean, spiritual courage. And, uh, but God's bigger than our paycheck. I mean, we, we all know about a paycheck. Maybe we're on a fixed income. Maybe we have a retirement check. Maybe we have a, a, a sales commission. Maybe we have a salary. We, we have a check that comes at some time, once a month, twice a month, uh, once a week, once a quarter. <laughs> God forbid once a year. But if it was big enough, that'd be okay, right? Would any of you oppose if you got a check once a year if it was big enough? Somebody like, no, I'd run out of money. Okay. But God's bigger than our paycheck. And some of you are like, man, that is so good to know because... My paycheck is so small, and I'm glad he's big. And if somebody here says, man, my paycheck is so big, or, and I don't know, I mean, I wished it was, like, you know, what if, I, I can only imagine if we had pro athletes in our church or celebrities that, like, made these hundreds of millions of dollars, that would, that'd be ridiculous. Okay, but here, here's the thing. I, I got to thinking about God's bigger than our paycheck, and I did a little journey, and I went back almost 38 years. I'm 20 years old. I've got my bride. We're married. We're going into our junior year at university. Deeply in love, married, and broke. <laughs> Do I have a witness? I mean, we, I mean we, we got very little, but I mean, we are blessed and got a little money. And uh, we had a little picnic table bench that we put our TV and stereo on. And we had this other little bench. And we just sit there and held hands and looked at each other and ate. I mean, it was so sweet. Still finishing university, working for Caterpillar. And I remember in those days, I would go to the grocery store with my wife and Boy, that was such an experience. I remember we had our budget. I've always been this budget-minded guy, and our budget, I, I remember, I still remember this day, it was $40 a week for groceries, shampoo, all these other things that guys know nothing about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, guys? And uh, 40 bucks. And we had this little counter. You got to remember, we didn't have cell phones. Some of y'all are like, man, you're archaic. I told you it's 38 years ago. And uh, we had this little clicker, and we would get our groceries and, and, and we would click off how much it was. And we were starting to get close to 40. We knew, that's it. And you're like, oh, isn't that sweet? Well, I don't know how sweet it was. We just wanted to be good stewards of what the Lord had entrusted to us. But we had decided before we got married that Christ was number one. And that he was going to be the priority for our life. And he was going to be the priority for our finances, whether we had little or a lot. And we were going to put him first. And we were going to give to the Lord. We were going to bring our tithe into his storehouse. And we've done that consistently, faithfully, for 38 years. And I've blessed the name of Jesus Christ. And i got to tell you, in those years, sometimes, man, it was really tough. And that doesn't mean that still things can't get tight. And you're like, man, I don't know what's going on. But I just thought I'd share that because we learned a principle that God could be trusted and he would always be bigger than our abilities or our finances. And this morning, somebody needs to hear that word. No, everybody needs to hear that word. And all the people gathered and said, we really do. We really do. We need to encourage one another. Maybe you've got a lot. Man, bless the Lord. Maybe you've got a little. Bless the Lord. Larry Burkett, a young, well, he was kind of middle-aged in, but he's been in heaven for quite a while. He's a guy that started the really Christian financial movement on giving and Dave Ramsey accredits so much of what he does today. Except Dave's just an amazing communicator. But Dave goes, man, I learned so much from Larry. But Larry said this one time. Of all the couples who end up getting divorced, every survey that he'd ever seen showed between 85 and 90% of them say the number one that they're having, the number one reason they're having a problem or getting divorced is somehow linked back to money. 
It's just amazing how finances are just a part. You know, there's some, somebody once said that there's at least 2,000 verses in the Word of God that are connected to money. God spoke about money a lot. You know why? Because God knew that money would get our attention and money would have our heart. And where our heart goes, or where our money goes, there we'd be our heart right behind. And, uh, but we live in a culture, you and me, that's all about, especially Western world, get, 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 buy, 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 buy some more, and get some more. And then can it, and then, do, and then, and then go get storage buildings because you can't get it all in your house, and, and you store it, and, and that's just kind of a whole other thought we talk about another day. But four things I need to know about perspective. Get ready to fill them in. I'm just going to give it to you real fast on the yellow blocks. Number one, I need to know what I own. You need to know what maybe at this point, maybe you've got the title to, or you've actually acquired that. You don't owe anybody on it, but determine man, what I own. What, what has God already given me? Secondly, I need to know, this is critical, what I owe. And next to that, write the word budget. I need to know what I owe. I need to be responsible. I need to set a budget. And here's the positive word. I need to set a spending plan for my life. As a pastor, I do a lot, I've done a lot of premarital counseling over the years. And it's amazing, people that had a little, people that had a lot. It doesn't matter. you got to have a budget. Because if you don't, you'll just spend yourself crazy and you'll never know. Look at the third one. I need to know what I earn. Yeah, some people sometimes are like, well, how much do you make? And they'll go, I don't know. I have no clue. And I'm thinking, man, that's, that's not good. You ought to kind of know what God's entrusted to you. Some of you are like, Keith, I can tell you to the penny, I know. And the fourth one is, I need to know where it goes. I remember one time listening to Andy Stanley talked about this. He says, we need to label the dollars that God entrusts to us, therefore that we know where it goes, that we can be a, a better steward, a better manager of the finances that God gives to us. So I just ask you and me, man, do we label where that money goes? Because it helps us to handle these because really money is always, just write it somewhere in your notes, it's always a test of character. Because God goes, can I trust you with much? Can I trust you with little? Can I trust you at all? Because you've not proven to be very trustworthy, but I want to trust you. So we begin to embrace God's perspective and we get his character. And at the end of the day, you have to realize, God, you know what? I own nothing. You own it all. You own the cattle on a thousand hills. And God, it's all yours. It's, you know, when I do my prayer walks, one of my prayers that the Lord has put in my spirit is I just go, Lord, I share him fretting over this. But God, you know what? That's not even mine. Lord, I relinquish that once again to you. Lord, that's your car. That's your house. God, that's your church. God, that's your watch. God, that's your shotgun. God, that's your, it sounds like you're volatile or something. God, that's your whatever. I remember Jay Osterman that used to go here, lieutenant colonel that now resides in Hawaii. But golly, I mean, can you imagine? That's where he retired. That's where he's from, but he went back to Hawaii. But I remember one day his, his air conditioner blew up and this guy had amazing faith. He walked up to me and goes, you know what? I just checked with God. It's his air conditioner. He needs to fix it. <laughs> I go, all right. And you know what? And we didn't have Blake here then. And he eventually got it fixed. But, he just, but that's the way his attitude was. He said, everything's God. Got a flat tire. God, you need to get some tires for this thing. Hey, God, you got a leaky faucet. Hey, God, it's your faucet. It's not mine. Hey, God, got this, got this. God, it's all yours. Lord, I just relinquished to you. And I'm still here. And he always was smiling about it. I'm like, you got too much joy. Get out of here. Okay. But anyway, I, I thought it was kind of interesting. Here it is, right in this verse, Psalm 50:10. I kind of quoted it. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills, says the word of God. Ecclesiastes 
He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves in abundance with its income. He who loves, worships, honors money is never satisfied. I've got to ask you this. I know this has been true in my life. Have you ever made enough money? Has it ever been enough? Have you ever said, I could just take one more dollar? You're like, dollar, man, I'm going for thousands. I'm going for hundreds. I mean, or somebody you're like really up there. Hey, God, that's not enough. I want more. It's just kind of the way we're created. We have this insatiable desire that we want more. But God says, if that's what you're pursuing, if that's what you want, you're never going to have enough. You're never going to be satisfied. And God basically has always drawn our heart. You know what? I'm satisfaction. I'm stability. Run to me. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith, and they pierce themselves with many griefs. It doesn't say money's evil, because money is immoral. Money is not either good or evil, but the love of money, the worship of money. I understand, man. Hey, I'm on a cycle just like you, and I need money, and I like money, and I enjoy what money does, and I enjoy... How many of you enjoy what money does, and it opens doors, and it provides? How many of you do that? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, the rest of you are like, yeah, you do. Like, if you didn't enjoy it, you'd be like, well, why would I get out and work? I'll just be a bum. Okay, well, that's a whole other story for another lesson. Not today, okay? But uh, Bill and Vinette Bright, you ever heard of them? They were the ones that founded Campus Crusade many years ago. And they told this story one time, I went back and I read it this week. It says they signed a document one time giving everything they had, they owned, it was all, they gave it over to God. They said, God, all the money we've got, all the possessions we've got, homes, cars, stocks, whatever we've got, God, I sign it over to you. It's yours. Lord, you're faithful. Lord, it's all just been a gift. You know, I'd always heard, I, I wish I'd, I just thought of this as I'm saying this. You always heard you've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul behind it going to a funeral. And I just did a big funeral Friday. But the other day, I was on Facebook or something, and I saw a guy, and it was a, a hearse, and it had a U-Haul behind it. <laughs> I mean, that, I thought that was funny. You know, like, whatever. I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to buy a used hearse. I mean, you might get a good deal, but that, that is not the kind of, I mean, how many of you, are, that's your ambition in life? I just want to own a hearse. Man, that would just be awesome. If you're a teenager, I don't advise it. It won't be good for your dating life. Okay, let's keep going here. So look at, look, let's look at five wholehearted statements to giving. There, there's five because we're, we're establishing the fact, and we already know that God is so big, and God is so great, and so wonderful, and to be worshiped, and he's bigger than our paycheck. So look at number one. I'm determined to obey God no matter what. Lord, you know what? In my heart, see, if we call ourselves Christians, people of the way, followers of Jesus, then God calls us to obedience. If we don't call ourselves Christians, then don't worry about obedience. But if you do say, I want to be a follower of God, I want to follow Christ closely, I want to have devotion, I want to pledge my allegiance to him, then you have to obey him. So one of those principles that I just encourage you in all the time, that I pray for, that I believe, that I know has given freedom in my own life, is tithing. And it's a, it just means tenth. And it's just, Lord, I want to return it. Abraham started this thing about bringing his, his livestock, and he would bring, you know, people would bring vegetables, and they would bring the best that they had, and they would offer their things to the Lord. And we decide that, God, I'm going to give my gifts to you. Lord, they're from you because, you know, the Scripture teaches that every good and perfect gift is from above everything that you and i enjoy right now has come from the father look at the second one i acknowledge god's ownership of everything i have i've been kind of beating that over and over but if you walk away here with that one truth today that could really encourage your spiritual life god 
it's yours. See, here, here's something that gets hard. I'm going to talk about family next weekend and that God's bigger than your mama. You don't want to miss next weekend, okay? we got some really cool things next weekend. But you know what? God, you're bigger than my family. You're bigger than my pocketbook. You're bigger than whatever I have. God, you are big. And Lord, I acknowledge that you own it all. Lord, I just want to submit to you. Psalm uh, 24, 1 is another one that really teaches this principle to us. That Lord, I entrust, or Lord, what you've entrusted to me, I return it to you. And, and we get a pretty good deal. God says, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you $10. Ten. And what if you just bring one back to me and you keep nine? And this morning, if I sit out there in the lobby and I, had, I just had pockets full of just, man, I just had thousands and thousands of dollars. And Donna came up with a little pack and we had thousands of dollars. And everybody walked by and said, hey, come here. I'll give you $1,000. Here, 1000 And everybody, how many people would be standing up out there in the hall? My goodness, there'd be people over to Atlanta. They'd be in here. Hey, can I see that preacher, man? Heard he's giving away pounds. And all I'd say is, but I want you to give 100 back. I'll give you 1000 but could you give me 100 back? How many would sign up for that? Oh, the rest of you wouldn't? I tell you what, you tell me the church is giving away $1,000 or $100, and I only got to give them 10 back. I'll go there. We'll go there this afternoon together. I'll drive you over there, okay? And that's what God does, man. God just come in, I'm great. And it's not that I want to be legalistic. God's just like, you know what? I've created this thing, and it's how I fund my church. It's how I fund my missionaries. It's how I fund my work. And when people get in on that, it helps their heart get aligned and not so crusty. And I'm like, God, you're a great God. Look at the third one. I trust God and not myself. And I understand tithing can be scary. I started as a poor 19-year-old college freshman when I gave my heart to Jesus. I didn't have much. But still, I mean... Five dollars in was a lot when you just don't have hardly anything, okay? But I established a habit. God established a pattern in my heart of regular, consistent, faithful giving to the kingdom. It's a starting place. So I just encourage you. So many of you do, and I want to say, man, bless you, man. That's awesome. It's for you. It's for your spiritual growth and development. And some are still scared, and you're like, man, I'm not going to be convinced. And here he is on this tithe thing. It's an opportunity to show God that I trust him. Write that down. Tithing is an opportunity to show God, God, I trust you, and I don't trust me. See, what I've learned is I want to go to somebody higher than me, and I've got limited resources, and so do you, but my Father is unlimited in everything that he's got. How many believe that this morning? And I can trust him. I can trust God for the form. I can trust him to save my soul, so I can trust him to pay the bills and meet my needs according to the Scripture. So tithing, here it is, it's foundational. Some people go, you know what, I like all this love your neighbor as yourself, you know, I'm not big on that don't gossip and blah, 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 but this tithing thing, I'm going to get to that. Well, I want to encourage you, if you had not taken that next step, take that next step today, this week, just say, Lord, my next check, I, I want to put you first, Lord, I, I want to realize that you're faithful. Uh, I can give you the passage, Numbers chapter 18, verse 21, listen to this. I give to the Levites, the priests, all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for their work they do while serving at the tent of meeting. And you see this consistent pattern all through Scripture. God's telling them to bring in the tithes, and they even had three tithes, and that's a whole other study. And, and they would do all these different faithful things. And then we get to the New Testament, and, and we'll talk about that from Corinthians, about excelling in the grace of giving, because he still teaches tithing, but it even gets greater. But I just want to tell you this. I want you to write down the passage, 1 Timothy 5. 17 and 18 and he talks about here 
the ones who direct the affairs of the church, the ones that lead, the ones that teach, the elders, the pastors, that he, he talks about them being worthy, deserve their wages. And let me just tell you, I say, oh, well, now you, hey, you got a dog in the hunt. I do as a pastor, but you know what? I hadn't always been a pastor, but here's the thing is, I just want to follow God's word, and I just want to say bless you for your faithfulness to Jesus Christ because it does pay my salary. It does pay the staff. It does put the lights on. It does put on air conditioning. It does support these ministry partners. It does support pro-life movements. It does promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you give, you give to the Lord. And the church said, amen. You get to partner. It's so much, that's what I love about the kingdom of God. It is so much greater than me or you or one or two. It's all of us together. God, you're so good. You're so worthy. Lord, help us just to learn to trust you. Just trust you, God, and not ourselves, because, Lord, you've never failed. You're faithful. As I stood there Friday with a family that I'm really close to, five sons, and do the service for their mom. I'm just thinking, man, you get to the end of life, it's not about what you've acquired or what you have. It's about who you know, who you've leaned on, who you've loved, who you've worshipped, who you've celebrated, who you've made the priority of your life, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you begin to give, you begin to pay, you begin to give. And then people ask me this all the time, oh, brother, I'm broke. I'm B-R-O-K-E. I'm in debt. D-E-B-T. I understand. I can spell. I ain't got nothing. So you think, you think when I get out of debt, maybe I'll just start paying the Lord. Well, brother, let me tell you something. I've seen your lifestyle, and you're going to stay broke. <laughs> you want to drive more car and more truck than you can afford. You want to live bigger. You want to eat places. You know what? You know what money determines everything you do? It really does. It determines what clothes you'll wear, where you'll buy them at. It determines what you'll get off the restaurant. How many of you going to look for them dollar deals when you go into restaurants? You're going, to, hey, man, what do you got in that dollar menu? Can't even hardly find them anymore, can you? And you get a coupon. Anybody a coupon sucker besides me? They send me these coupons. I'm going, are these really effective? I keep going back. I mean, they know what they're doing. They're genius. Maybe we ought to have a coupon at church. Here's a coupon. So I, I just, I, I detest prosperity theology. I, I, I just couldn't get in here and go, tell you what, brother, you come in here and do this, it'll be a hundredfold, a hundred blessing. You just sow your seed right now. And there's a principle to sow your seed. But I tell you what, you just give it, and I promise you, there's going to be so many cattle in your barn when you get home. I don't have a barn. <laughs> well, there's going to be cattle in somebody's barn. Mine. No, no, you know what I'm saying? I just want you to be faithful to Christ. Is anybody encouraged by this message you're going? You're talking about a difficult subject, Pastor. You're talking about my mama next week, and I'll be here. I'll bring her. <laughs> okay, your mama needs to be here. Here we go. Let me, let, let me give you another one here. So I trust God. Number four, this is a huge one. I love this. I want to grow spiritually. How many people in here this morning want to grow spiritually? I hope every one of you, all the ones that come on the weekends and the ones that aren't here and the ones that will listen uh, to the podcast or watch it, they're like, man, I want to grow in Christ. And I've given you scriptures for all these that I want you to look up and try to dig and say, God, I want more food. Did you see the thing in the worship guide today about praying God's word into your heart? Did you see that nice little graphic in the inside of your worship guide? Please don't leave these behind. I don't need them. <laughs> I've already done it. Okay and take these with you and begin to use this even in your quiet time and begin to look at these scriptures and meditate and pray pray the word of god into your heart and you will grow in jesus christ do you believe that church i do look at this the fifth one i belong to this church so i'm going to support it 
You know, today, membership, we're inviting people to the next level to join our covenant, to come into the membership of our church and to make us all we can be. And we have people that come and go and move and transition and come and join and invite and all those fun things. And today, we have an opportunity to take another step in the history and the journey of Christ's community and bring some more people into our church. Man, I, I love these days. So just saying, if you wanted to come, you're welcome. So look at these. I want you to see these. These are important. There's not a single situation in the Bible that I'm aware of where someone was too poor to tithe. And you're saying, really? Like, man, have you looked at my finances? I'm too poor. Well, let's just look at the first one. The widow at Zarephath. I mean, this woman, she was in uh, pretty dire needs. Matter of fact, if you'll turn over to 1 Kings chapter 17. You got a Bible, turn to 1 Kings 17. And you go down there about... Uh, verse uh, 10 so he went to Zarephath as he arrived at the gates of the village he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her would you please bring me a little water in a cup as she was going to get it he called to her bring me a bite of bread too but she said I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. And I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. And then my son and I, we will die. How many can say poor? I mean, this is pretty bad, isn't it? I hope nobody's in that position today. If you are, man, call us. Let us know. We've got a food pantry. We'd, we'd love to try to help you if, you, if, you, if you're down that hard, you know. But, but look at this. It doesn't end there. Verse 13, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. I love how Jesus always says, don't be afraid, because he'll come to, to us himself. Go ahead, do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first, and then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough. Just write in your note today, there was, there's always enough when I make priority out of Jesus. Amen? Man, when you make Christ your sufficient one, your supreme one, your priority of your life, there's just enough. There might not be an abundance, but there is enough in Christ. This, this poor widow, man, she didn't have anything, and, and the Lord is instructing her through this prophet, and she's faithful. Look at the second one, the widow with the two coins. We've read that story so many, and she had the two little mites of like two pennies, and she gave, and when she gave that, and, and, and all the people came up to collect, and they looked, and, and somebody said, the biggest gift today. And somebody said, wait a minute, you're not very good at math. You're not the treasurer, are you? Two, 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 two coppers? But you know what it was? It's ne listen to this, write it down. It's never the size of your gift. It's your heart not the size it's the priority of our heart and this woman gave out of her poverty to the lord and god was blessed and we've been reading and meditating and talking about this woman i'm looking forward to meeting this woman in heaven how about you this woman knew sacrificial giving and man she uh some people you know some people would condemn her but like condemn her man i exalt her what a gift and look at the third one the macedonian christians I'm going to talk about them real briefly this morning. But the Macedonian Christians, they are seen in this condition of great persecution and also in, a, in an area called famine. I mean, things are horrible, deplorable, tough. 
And Paul goes there to take a special offering that we read about in 2 Corinthians 8, actually 7, 8, and 9. You begin to read and you see this story and you see uh, just how they give. Matter of fact, turn over to 2 Corinthians now with me. You're like, wow, man, he's all over the scriptures with us. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, turn there with me. And 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, and you just need to mark this in your Bible and go back and read it this afternoon or this evening before you retire. But I would say this to you, the church had great difficulty, had great poverty, had great need. And Paul was interested in the church of Jerusalem. He was interested in all the churches. And you see, you know one reason I think Paul was interested? Because Paul had been such a persecutor of the church. He had given the Christians and the church such a hard time that he wanted to give his life away to King Jesus that had changed his life. And he wanted to see that the church would prosper, that the gospel would go forth. So God had entrusted him as he entrusts us. And there's a spirit of liberality that these people there in the Macedonian churches, they gave generously. Now, it doesn't talk about the size of the gift. It doesn't matter the size of the gift. They, they gave willingly. They gave cheerfully. They gave joyfully. They gave they gave from their heart. They, they, they had an attitude. They had a sacrifice. They had the opportunity to give. And I think about us. We have an opportunity to give every weekend. We have an opportunity to give all the time. And we just have to ask ourselves, man, do I give? Do I want to give? Do I sacrifice? Do I have an attitude of giving? And when I do, the Lord is blessed. And, and I trust. And, and so they, they go through this famine. They go through persecution. But we read about them here. And their generosity overflowed. I love the Macedonian church. I love these people because in their giving, God stepped in and God met their needs and he, he met the need of the church here. And you know what money is? Money's just a test. Write that down. Money is just a test and money grows us. If we decide to hoard it and hold it to ourselves, we'll begin to die with her. But if we begin to go, God, what you've given me is a test and Lord, I want to pass that test. I want to be found faithful. Lord, I want to support the kingdom of the living Christ, and I want to be a partner in my church. I want, Lord, I want you to test me. You know what the Scripture says? Test me and see if I won't open up the windows of heaven, and I will pour out such a blessing that you can't contain. I really believe that's God's Word. I believe that it's truth, and I believe it's for you, and I believe it's for me. But look there in 8, verse 6. So, we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Finish the ministry. Finish that strong as you give. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your, uh, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love from us, I want you also to excel in the gracious act of giving. And this is kind of where I'm going to land the plane today. Jesus wants you and me to excel. How many, of you, how many of your parents ever told you, I want you to excel in school? Or did your parents say, I just want you to be dumb. I just want you to be average and mediocre. And you bring them C's home and we'll celebrate. Now, if, 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 if C's the top of your lid, then celebrate. But if you're capable of doing a lot more, I, I, I remember when I bring my poor car home to my daddy and I go, Dad, Dad, I'm going to show you. And I would always say, Dad, let's look at these grades right here, how good these are. And we'd delineate, we'd go down, A, A, B, B, C, A. Son, why don't you get C? Dad, let's focus on the A's and the B's. You, Dad, you don't get it. 
And, and I can tell you the rest of my academic performance, but that's for another day. And, uh, but, uh, but I wanted to try to help him. He wanted to help me. He wanted to motivate me. You know what I'm saying? But he says, I want you to excel. And, and, and your parents and your grandparents, everybody wants you to excel. They want you to be your best. So Paul, he, he takes that same language here. He goes, but finish this act of giving. Excel in the gracious act of giving. You know, I just wondered if our church just took this verse to heart and said, God, you know what? I just want to excel as a believer. I want to grow. And when it comes to my giving, God, I want to be off the chart. Not that people can see, but God, that you see my heart and you're the priority of my life. I'm just wondering what would happen around here. I think our church would change. I think our people would change. Because he, then he goes on, look here. In verse 8, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by, caring, by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. You know, God just wants us to see if we're genuine, sincere, not fake, not false, the real deal. And I think he's found a lot of real people around here. And there might be some today that say, man, I'm not very real, but boy, I want to be. And that's the good news about grace. You don't have to stay where you are. You can begin to move and uh, there's a quote I want to give you from Dr. Costable. An ungenerous Christian is far from being a complete Christian. An ungenerous Christian is far from being a complete believer. And so the heart today is God just wants you and I to realize, God, you're big. My paycheck's kind of small, but God, you're great. And God, I trust you, and it could be that God might want to open some doors and he might give greater provision to your family. And he might not, but I know this, he will meet our needs because he promises that in his word. I want to hold up a little book to you. I gave these away several years ago, and then I've given them away, and I just went back and read it. It's, a, it's the smallest book Andy Stanley ever wrote. It's called Fields of Gold. Hold your hand up if you've ever read this book, Fields of Gold. Wow, I gave a number of them out and people didn't read them. Okay, I guess they're on your nightstand. Okay, anyway, uh, I, don't, I don't have them anymore to give to you. But listen to a, a few things that he says in here. This is just a, a good reading. When you begin to embrace your role as a steward, you'll be able to give from your heart. You'll see yourself in partnership with God to accomplish the eternal purposes, and you will even start to think about creating a plan for giving. And he just begins to go through this whole thing of priority giving and percentage giving, and we just, we just give to the Lord and so it's just a little simple read. This is called a man's book. Okay, men didn't think it was funny. The women did. This is called a bathroom sitting, okay? And you, I mean, don't read the whole book in one sitting, okay? But I'm just like, yeah, you kind of got it, and you read it. But, man, you know what? I talked about a tough subject, but I'm not afraid of the tough subject. I just want us to say, God, we want to be a church. We want to be a church that's generous. Guys, there's some things that we're praying about right now. And, our, and our, our, our money's really limited. I wish everybody was here so they could hear this. I wish they'd listen to it on a podcast. We're thinking about converting one of the nursery rooms over there possibly for a special needs room. Yeah, and it's going to take some money, and some people might want to give some money to that or think about that. We're just trying to think, God, how can we be the church that you want us to be? And part of being the church that God wants us to be comes to our giving, our pocketbook. One great theologian said, the last thing to get converted is your pocketbook. So this morning, just let God deal with your heart. Say, God, I'm not, hey, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm here to exhort the risen Christ. Amen? That I pray I'll speak. Let's pray. Lord, it's been so good being in your house. 
And we love you and we thank you that you can deal with difficult subjects because you know there we find our hearts. And Lord, I pray that we would excel in serving, in giving, in loving, in blessing, in prioritizing you as master. Come. Come, Lord Jesus. Come and do your work in this place until we gather again. Amen.